Welcome everyone to the B-Sides of the Whiskey Hue. I'm here without my regular co-host. I'm seeing them a bit later today as we do an interview. But today I'm joined with two guests, but I'll intro them in a moment. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. We're three brothers, various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business, and startups mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. I'm joined by two buddies of mine, two esteemed guests. We're going to, as we delve into this NFT conversation, Dr. Greg Brigida and Vagas Choksi. A little bit about both of them. Greg Brigida, good friend of mine. We went to business school together, professor now with Northwestern University in Qatar, adjunct, and also the founder and host of Can We Get Coffee podcast. Also a New York Giants fan. I'd love to hear that. And the Yankees, because uh, as a Bears fan, the Giants have stopped the Packers twice on the way to the Super Bowl, and they won it both times. <laughs> so I'm always happy with the Giants. Uh, Vikas Choksi, he's currently at Odyssey Sports. Uh, you get to delve into everything you do for them, because you're doing a lot with them. Um, he's a writer for a slew of the top sports outlets, as in he used to run Vict- Victory Lap Consulting. Also a Bears fan. He's sitting in Chicago area. I love it. And we're going to have a deep dive. So I would love for them, because I probably butchered my intro to these guys, uh, have them do a little deeper dive each. Uh, Greg, let's go alphabetically. Let's go with you first. I oh, appreciate it. Thanks so much, Tool, for uh, having me here today. Yeah, so I'm um, here at Northwestern University at their campus uh, in, in Qatar. So you guys are quite familiar with our home campus uh, in, in Illinois. Um, but yeah, yeah, before higher education, my background was in business intelligence and e-commerce. Uh, and I was one of the people that thought I'd go into education for a couple of years. And, you know, 15 years later, I'm still here. Uh, yeah, so we met at Fordham getting uh, our MBAs. And uh, since then, got my PhD in, in international business. And uh, so, yeah, though I might have doctor in my title, you do not want me to do anything health related. Well, thanks for having me on, Atul. It's a pleasure. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be right, tough to follow up Greg here. But yeah, like you said, I work at Odyssey Sports. I'm doing a bunch of different things for them. They just started a new sports gambling vertical. And so helping them put together content strategy, run social media for them. That's been fun. I've been doing that since December. On the side, I also have my own podcast, Victory Lap. Uh, I have on guests that are luminaries from the sports uh, world. So athletes like Donovan Mitchell, people in the sports business industry, and just have them talk about their journey. So that's been fun. And Sports media writing doesn't pay a lot of pay you a lot of money, so I also do some consulting on the side uh, in the sports space as well. So have been doing you know a mix of that for the last three years, and like you mentioned, unfortunately, I'm also a Bears fan, so you know that that's been a tough ride my entire life. Um, but I'm glad you're here to share my sorrows with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be crying in the corner. Um, Vic, Vic also has an OnlyFans page. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding to support. And you subscribe. To subsidize, <laughs> to subsidize the lifestyle. Uh, yeah. uh, that's, that's crazy. Um, let's go with it, man. So we're going to jump into NFTs, non-fungible tokens. And I, I really wanted Greg and Vikas back here. And we had another friend that's at the NBA overseeing this that was going to join. Next time he'll join us. Reason I wanted Greg, because Greg actually invited me to speak about this very subject with his students in Qatar. And I actually, in my opinion, I absolutely botched that conversation because I literally, I think it could have gone so much better. And then we have done, because I had a talk two hours later and I felt there was value takeaway there with his students. It wasn't great, but they're awesome students. They had phenomenal questions. And Vic's actually a billionaire now because he actually invested in January in some, and he had some pretty good 
uh, NFTs that came through in this pack, right? The sports pack through the Top Shot deal. So let, we'll we'll get into all of this. So I think today, are we gonna are we drinking I'm, a whiskey I'm today? I'm whiskey a like little later tonight. Uh, it's still two o'clock, so I gotta wait for the kids to go are, down. Gotcha. How about you, Greg? What are you doing? Wine? Well, it's uh, I had a glass earlier, but of course, you know, you couldn't figure out how to make microphones work. So, you know, I, I finished the glass before we got started and it's now almost 10 o'clock. So, you know, I'll, I'll fall asleep halfway through our conversation. Having that, was, that, was, that was kind of a racial slur because he's saying, hey, you're the one South Asian dude that can't figure out how to work tech. And that's I get it. I get it. I'm kidding. So I'm drinking a little bit a little, and, you know, and I have to. <laughs> so I have like. I didn't know. I should have set this up better. Um, I'm, I usually don't run point on these, but I, you know, we, I didn't tell you guys, let's pick a scotch or a whiskey beforehand. So I just jumped into a Koval, my, a Chicago whiskey, and I love it. Um, so we're going to go with this. So NFTs, we're going to set benchmarks, talk about everything that we know about this space, and it's exploding, right? So there's a lot of things happening. So we'll, what we'll do is we'll set the tone, get into, hey, music, arts, and sports are kind of driving this industry right now. And the early adopters are in that space. A lot of investment is coming into the space. We'll get into the gaming generation, which is really a driving force that has already been in this space somewhat for quite some time. Issuing coins against future earnings and other opportunities, which both of these guys know very well. So let's jump in. Do you mind, both of you, if I just kind of do some quick, like a 30-second setup as to some valuations? I'm a numbers nerd. Numbers geek. You cool with that? Okay. So some quick things about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, what they are, they have their distinct properties that they have, property rights for the digital world, smart contracts can be developed on them, they're distinct, which is the non-fungible portion, and they prove scarcity, and they prove a, a time of origin. And let's give you some valuation benchmarks, and we'll give you some other characteristics as we kind of continue the conversation, but gold. That's a standard everyone knows. The entire gold capitalization globally is 10 to 12 trillion. Cryptocurrency currently is 1.7 trillion. You know, so you can look at 1 trillion of that is Bitcoin. So majority of it, let's say more than half, 200 to 300 bill is Ethereum. And then all the other smaller coins kind of float the rest of that. That's the entire space, 1.7 trillion. For the equity bonds, fixed income credit universe, it's 400 to 500 trillion. So you can see already... If we start migrating a lot of things from this whole NFT, blockchain, crypto space into things that we are probably going to get into in our discussion, banking, real estate, insurance, other high volume, high transaction industries, there's a 200 to 300x runway there, right? From 1.7 to 400, 500 trillion, which is in those other industries right now. So park that information. And we'll get in there. Um, you know, it's already almost, you know, the cryptocurrency space is already worth more than the Amazon space, given any day, whatever the market's telling you, uh, almost as much as Microsoft. And, you know, 2.1 trillion is where Apple sits. And silver is at 1.4 trillion. So it's already worth more than silver. This kind of new-ish space, let's say 10 years, 10 years, 11 years, right? And then all the development really has ramped up in the last four or five years. Let's get into it, guys. Vic, you want to jump into the sports section? You've Okay, he he, I, I, he made a billion dollars since January. So I made a billion dollars and then I lost a billion dollars because NBA Top Shot market has crashed recently. Uh, but, you know, to, to your point, NBA Top Shot has taken off tremendously. It, it got some media love on ESPN and Forbes and all of that kind of late January and February, which brought a ton of new users into the space. But basically, it's a mix of like trading cards, so 
gives you that nostalgia of when we were growing up, we were out there collecting packs, but they're called moments. So it's a digital moment. It's like a highlight of your favorite player. They have the best guys and they have common cards, just like when we were growing up, there's different levels to it. And then there's serial numbers, which is what creates the scarcity aspect of it. So a little bit of like trading cards, stock market, there's some strategy involved, there are challenges. It's a lot of fun to get a pack before all of that media pub was very easy. So you literally logged onto their website. They had a pack release. You would buy a pack and you would get to see five cards. And that, you know, that moment when it's opening up, it's it's kind of giving you those butterflies again like you were a kid, right? Like you can pull a LeBron, you can pull uh, a Cosmic card, you know, the best card, or you can just get a common card. But it was, it was a really cool kind of setup that they had. What happened was they grew too quickly, too fast, right? Uh, after they got all of that pub. But, you know, Top Shot's far from a mature platform right now. I think someday, pretty soon, they're going to have millions of users around the globe. Think about when China, you know, and other markets get involved right now. But, you know, it's a platform that's growing super quickly right now. And they've made some really, really big hires recently. They raised money, like we talked about offline a little bit. And so, you know, they're, they're finally getting to the point where they've already hit their tipping point. They grew a little quickly. And now they're investing right back into the infrastructure. So, you know, I'm all for the platform. I really do think there's going to be big things. They have a digital game coming up. So gamification of it as well. So, you know, a lot of different areas where they're growing, but the general concept is a lot of fun. They've kind of taken your traditional trading cards and digitized them. Any, uh, are you um, comfortable disclosing who was in your pack or not yet? Yeah, yeah. So I, I did a couple of different things. I bought cards so you can individually go to a marketplace, type in a player's name, and you can see people out there that are selling those cards. And so, again, there's all types of levels to the cards. The lower the serial number, the higher the cost. Those That's another thing to kind of keep in mind. If you have a player's jersey number, like say you have, you know, Michael Jordan's not there yet, but if you have a Michael Jordan, it's a 23, that one's going to be worth more than a lot of the other serial numbers that are out there. So what happens is they release X amount of that particular moment. So if there's a hundred moments of LeBron dunking, the LeBron number one is going to be worth more than the hundred one, if that makes sense. And so basically when this all started going down, I had a buddy, he was like, Hey, do you want to invest a couple thousand bucks? We did some research. We liked the idea and we went all in. So we bought a bunch of individual cards and then we bought a bunch of packs as well. And so we have a nice little portfolio. Yes, it was up a lot, a lot of money, uh, you know, just a, a month or so ago. But it's crashed a little bit, you know, but now it's stabilizing. They're all kind of coming back up. But, yeah, the best card that I pulled was definitely a LeBron, which was nice. pretty amazing. You know, you hit the button. The card pack shakes a little bit. There's some music and anticipation. Nice. And boom, you hit a LeBron. And, and so it's cool. And that's what kind of I think – gets a lot of people excited about it as well, right? Because you do have that ability to pull a very expensive card and a normal person like us. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to be an influencer or, or super rich or, you know, anything like that to buy a really, or get a really nice That's card. That's awesome. So they've created an experience around opening the package as well. I love it. I love it. Greg, what do you have on that? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I'd be more nostalgic of the stale stick of chewing gum that came in your uh, Topps baseball cards. <laughs> Um, I, I guess to me, yeah. you know, I, I'd still rather have a Honus Wagner card or a Mickey Mantle rookie card in mint condition hermetically sealed, you know, no doubt about that. But 
I definitely do see value in it. And to, to Vic's point about that experience of, um, you know, op- you know, digitally opening it up and, and all of that, you know, that kind of in real time where I see the value in something like this, which I'd be excited to see is if you could turn around and treating it like the futures market and if the NBA auctions off the, uh, the NFT for the first pick in the next draft. Right. You might not know who has the draft pick. You might not know who it's going to be. Right. But all of a sudden, you know, you, you create this market of, all right, you know, you're going to get the second pick, the third pick, right. That kind of thing in the upcoming draft. That's where I think some huge money could be made. And, you know, you've got this, you know, creating that futures market. Cause one of the challenges that you're going to obviously find with this is that the difference between physical baseball cards and the NFT market is, you know, if you went back to, you know, the 1980s, you know, when, when the three of us were growing up, all the cards that were going to be printed were printed. You can't reproduce those. Mm. And so, you know, that scarcity is naturally happened in the digital world. You could feasibly create more potentially diluting value. Um, but yeah, I, I look forward to when they start turning around and auctioning off um, moments that they expect to be important, particularly draft picks. It naturally lends itself to this. So... Yeah. I love that. And Top Shots, right? So some of the initial investors is Andre Iguodala, right? He's with the Heat now. He's obviously beat up on LeBron a couple times with the Warriors. <laughs> slight, slight. I'm kidding. He's a Springfield, Illinois boy initially, so I've always appreciated his play. Javel McGee, Aaron Gordon, Spencer Dinwiddie. These are some of the early investors. Tyler Harrow had a run with this space, and he's a young, young kid, which is kind of cool. It kind of commoditizes the space. You don't have to be LeBron to be a hot commodity in this space, right? So that it depends on what you can, you know, the perceived value on this. We've, and I've talked, I've spoken individually with both of you that th- there's going to be an opportunity at some point, LeBron dunking, you know, LeBron dunks and that, well, that one with Wade holding up his hands like this in the middle or Jordan or Pippen over going over, you know, Patrick Ewing, who I adore. I, I love Patrick Ewing, uh, but I'm always a Bulls fan, but you know, that dunk, and that was that caused a lot of issues. Or when Dennis Robin, when he was with the Pistons, took out <laughs> Scotty Pippen. Uh, there's going to be so many beautiful moments from this in NFL. Imagine having that, and then you can layer it with some hot track, and you have that entire experience. And then you know, you know, and we should. One thing that people need to look at: How do I get into this space? Invest. We're not offering investment advice, advice, but you know, like think of this, the 49ers are named the San Francisco 49ers are named after the Gold Rush, right? And who made money? A lot of people went there. A lot of them got sick and didn't make it back. Uh, but Levi's, they provided pants that worked in that setting. The people who sold gold safes. So send, if you can sell the tertiary products in this space, there could be some opportunity. And who's doing that? There are these. There's companies offering like a $300 digital art frame where you can display in your home and it can float through all your, yep. rotate through all your pictures. Kind of like a digital art frame your mom always loves to have in her home of all you and your kitties and all that stuff. So these are the things and they're just kind of making it glamorous and there's a market for that. So think along those lines. Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs has already done the NFT Museum of Mahomes. Are you guys familiar with this? It's kind of dope, right? So he sees the future value in it and he's linking the physical, you know, physical items with the digital space and, you know, the Chiefs fans are rabid, right? We've talked about Eagles fans are probably the most devoted to their team. Uh, you know, as far as things they'll get, they'll do to Santa and all that. But, uh, Mahomes, um, they have a, that's a rabid 
Chiefs fan base. And there's just another way to connect with the fan base. So it's kind of cool. And he'll provide some portion of it to charities. You know, they'll always float that in there. What else are you seeing in this space? So music, should we jump into that space? Or you know what? Let's talk about the whole Dapper deal. I mean, these guys brought in Crypto Kitties. I think it was 2018, 17, 18. Three, four, four, five. Okay, yep. and so they and it was kind of cool, and they're kind of recreating kitties. And I know Greg, you'll have a comment on this on on the what Nike's thinking about doing, which is gonna be awesome. So, Crypto Kitties. I'm not a cat guy, uh, but I, from what I understood of it, they would you could buy these individual t- that had kind of human esque characteristics. They had blue eyes, this type of fur, whatever, paw, this that, and then you could create like a uh, offspring. You can. And you would pair two of these together, three of these together, and they create offspring. And then they, you know, and it kind of went off and it got really hot for a while and it kind of quieted down. Dapper, the same company behind that, just launched Crypto Kicks. And, and that's going to be, it's with Nike. They're making these phenomenal partnerships, which is, which is great, right? And I think they understood from the first one, let's get a big brand behind us this next move forward. And then that can help them uh, find marginal value. So the Crypto Kicks thing is the same thing. Um, you have a Nike red, red, black, and white Jordan shoe, and then there's the purple and white and black one. You can blend them together digitally, and they can create another shoe. And then, so there's opportunities like that. Greg, I think I, I know you had a comment on this space. What, what do you think? Yeah. So, uh, in my opinion, I think they kind of um, reversed what what I would have done. Right. So, you know, right now you buy a pair of sneakers and you get the token with it. Um, you know, back to our conversation about scarcity, which I think is the important part. I would have instead gone the route of releasing the designs as a digital asset, you know, with the token and only those who actually have the token can contact Nike and have the pair made. And so to me, then you'd be potentially walking around with one of a kind pairs of kicks. And if you're a sneakerhead, like that is platinum standard. And so from that perspective, um, you know, that's where I think the value, you know, could be added because also, you know, given the fact that it is on a blockchain ledger, you would know how many people own that particular token before you, you know, so you would know how many pairs of shoes are potentially floating around. And with the way the structure works, rather than what we saw with like Beeple, right, with every time it's now sold again, he gets, you know, 10%, you know, cut Mm -hmm. on it, you know, Nike can turn around and, and, uh, and dapper and say, all right, you know, $250 of whatever you sell it for, we get because that covers the cost of the production run of a single pair of shoes or whatever the amount is, right? Um, but that's what I would have done. You know, digital designs and you partner with all these, you know, athletes, and musicians and everything else. So, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you've got, uh, uh, you know, LeBron designing a pair of Nikes and the NFT goes out you buy it and you can actually get that pair produced. That would have generated a lot more buzz in my opinion. I think they, they worked in the wrong direction. So you know, Nike call me. <laughs> Is there an opportunity to do that though? Still? I mean, they could offer two yeah. lanes for this. Oh, right? Absolutely. You know, you can, you can, you know, work in both directions. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to see, you know, to see them partner with, you know, you take a look, I'd say specifically, you know, musicians more than athletes, to be honest in this case uh, at this point, you know, Nike or, uh, you know, I, I own, you know, a few too many pairs of Pumas probably. Um, but yeah, you know, Puma turning, you know, teaming up with, you know, Cara Delevingne and, you know, designing something, mm. releasing it out. Um, and if you got the token, you can order the pair in your size. You're the only one who can get them. 
I love it. I love it. You know, Vic, early you said something about kind of like the the, the market for this space right now is temporarily kind of it went down 70 percent. Like that's not that's legit kind of devaluation. But I see it as, you know, the bubbles always temporarily burst. Right. There's a home on the market and, you know, it fluctuates in price over which decade is and what's happening in that market at the time. So that's anticipated, especially with this early rush. Then it'll, it'll settle. Um, the underlies, underlying asset has value that can, again, grow in value, in my opinion. And once they kind of build a more sophisticated ecosystem around it and all the other tangential plays, I think it's going to be phenomenal. So, um, you know, manias and irrational exuberance always happen in every market. We, we ex- we're experiencing it in the stock market, uh, especially the entire last year, right? And so it, things get va- highly valued and then they come, they, they correct. I'm not going to say a crash. Well, that's correct. But 70% would be, you know, two, three legit crashes all in one, right? The, the stock market went down 30% last year in March. And here you're talking about 70%. It'll still, I think it's still going to find its way. Cause you haven't even gotten the, like the goats, you know, uh, there's, you know, they've gotten the mini goat, LeBron. I'm kidding. Kobe, they're, they're discussing with his estate right now. There's discussing with Tupac Shakur's estate. I know people involved with those conversations and obviously Jordan, the goat of all time, uh, you know, uh, I can't imagine when that comes to market, what's going to happen there. I'm sure he's thinking of things, his team's thinking of things that, you know, are going to be extraordinary. Uh, where, where else should we go with this? Let's get, you want to jump into the music space a little bit? Let me, yeah. let me add to your, you made some really, really good points. One, I don't know if you know this or you probably do, but one of the investors in the latest round of Dapper Labs is Michael Jordan. And so the talks are already going down. I know someone at the NBA Alumni Retired Players Association, and so talks are going on right now so that legends can get into the mm. game again, to your point, and so we can get our childhood heroes, Scottie Pippen, Duncan over Patrick Ewing, right? Like, you know, a guy like me, that my number is 33 for all my email addresses, oh, everything that you can think of, like, you know, I'm going to blow my uh, bank account and something like that as well. So to your point, you know, that's coming. Uh, I also like that you brought up the tertiary kind of eco, there's new business ecosystem being built around NFTs, right? The digital frames that you talked about, Infinite Objects is a really nice company. Today, Harrison Barnes posted an example of a really, really cool one, you know, that everyone should check out. But the front is like a digital frame that we know it's showing the moment on loop. The back is like a baseball card, you know, everything that you want to know about the moment from his name to the serial number to his statistics to when that moment happened. It's like an old screw case kind of feel that we had as a kid growing up and we put our very valuable baseball cards into. So, you know, that whole industry, I feel, is another really cool thing that, you know, we can dive into one day as well, but something else to keep an eye on. And then the Legends thing is going to be really cool. As And when it comes to the company itself... Again, this is all in beta version. They're not even doing anything marketing-wise, right? And so they just went out and made a big hire. They hired the former head of marketing of the NFL, and he's about to you know, really step in and start marketing this. They're in- investing all the money that they raised back into infrastructure. But the one big thing that scared a lot of people is the withdrawal of money. And so as of today, it's still hard to actually – sell your moment and then withdraw the money from your Dapper Labs bank account. And so, you know, the number's going up by the day. uh, But that's, I think, once they can get that issue corrected, which the CEO himself has talked about, I think that's going to build trust uh, and help the brand. The fast withdrawals are going to increase ease of use. 
and it's going to increase the user experience. And just again, a lot of people out there still think it's a kind of a Ponzi scheme, right? right? And so once you're actually able to get your money out, people can make transactions like that. I think it, it's going to take this all to a different to level. The, but to the end of defense, and I get, I get that you want to get that money out soon. Even a bank takes, it takes sometimes two, three days. Sometimes you can transfer quickly, immediately sometimes, but sometimes they hold it and it sits in the order flow. Uh, a reason they do that is as a protectionary clause for them. So not, there's not a, bank run, quote unquote, type of system on, on their system. Yep. Greg, you're about to say something. Sorry. Well, I guess, you know, a couple of things. One, but yeah, I can wait three days with a bank and it's not going to drop by 70% in value. That's, you know, one of the, the big issues, um, you know, that you're seeing anytime you work in cryptocurrency, you know, it's not, oh, at the time of sale, right? No, it's the time of cashing out. Yep. Um, but I, I think back to the the comments about, you know, looking at the tertiary market, you know, again, that element of, using the token to get your sneakers. I also think, you know, looking at something like, you know, top shot asset, you know, if Vic can use the serial number that he has for that LeBron card and plug it into, you know, NBA 2K and he gets a special feature within the game, right? Being able to use those tokens in other ways that add value in a Fortnite or an NBA 2K, right? Something like that. I also I'm waiting to see what happens when you look at the contracts for athletes. Um, you know, I have a bunch of tattoos. I've had the conversation with my tattoo artist, you know, the whole Ed O'Bannon where, you know, his tattoos were used on, you know, the cover of the game. And it started this whole conversation about college athletes, et cetera, the Mike Tyson tattoo and hangover. Um, I think now you're going to start seeing uh, the NBA players association and um, uh, you know, individual contracts when they get signed that the athletes are going to want control over the digital assets of themselves because knowing that there is this secondary market now for those assets beyond just television rights, we're going to start seeing new elements of contracts being negotiated in about their Mm -hmm. digital likeness and how it can be used and them getting a cut of that. So that's, that's my, uh, that's my prediction. And that's going to be, that's a a great prediction and a great point, Greg. I think, Right now, what athletes are doing is they're buying up all their own NBA top shots, kind of like betting on themselves, right? They don't want anybody else to make this money off of them. But to your point, I think that that's a great prediction and maybe something we'll even see in the new CBA. The beauty of them buying their own assets is if, if, like if LeBron or Donovan Mitchell, if they've touched and they've owned, that's written in the ledger forever that they were, they were part, they're owners of this for a short period of time. That, boost the value of it right as they go to resell it so that's there's a beauty in that uh you, you said something great earlier so you know the skin they're already doing that with skins so you could purchase something in one game and then you can you can it can travel to another game with you because it's all sitting on this external kind of decentralized platform which is it's dope I, i'm just a quick yesterday what are your thoughts i'm thinking when the nfl goes deep in this space if it's all about scarcity, 16 versus or 17 now games versus 82, and then baseball's what 160 something. Uh, you would think the NFL moments might prove be you know prove more scarcity and have higher value, higher margins and higher valuations. Who knows? I'm I'm thinking maybe that's why the league has worked that way and they've kept every game technically meaningful. Versus NBA games, MLB games, you can slide a little bit. Hockey games, you can slide a little bit, you know, and pick it up. Like a lot of the teams in the NBA right now are 
sitting at 500, right? Uh, and they're going to make the playoffs. A lot but, of them. It, but, you also, but I guess you'd also have to factor in, I mean, how many players are on a football field versus basketball court at a time? You know, at, yeah. you know, sure, you're going to want moments of Tom Brady, but, you know, a defensive lineman, probably not. You know, sure. whereas, yeah, you, you know, the NBA, you've got, you know, 10 people, all of which might have a moment. Yeah. Very unlikely that, you know, some random middle linebacker is going to have a worthwhile moment to buy. Yeah. You, but you might have the same. If you have, if you have- the NFL is insane here, right, in America. But when we look at a global yeah. point of view, right, I feel like NBA soccer can blow it all away. Uh, but, you know, NBA is a different game. NBA does a really great job of most people no NBA players by face. Yeah. We, me and you love the Chicago bears, but I guarantee you that we probably, if we were standing next to them at the mall, we, we would see their monsters and big guys, but we wouldn't be able to identify them. Like we can, like the 10th guy on the bulls bench. Right? Their face, and yeah. so, yep. exactly. so, you know, cause you got these face masks and we know the Tom Brady's and everybody that's big, but you know, NFL. And again, I'm a huge sports junkie. I'm in the industry, like I work in the space, I live and die Chicago sports, but I cannot tell you, I cannot identify all the Chicago Bears. And that's just like being honest with you. Whereas like, I tell you who the 15th guy on the Bulls is that's on the Windy City G League, again, just because we see their right. face all the time, see them on the bench, we see them, you know, out and about. So I think, again, that's where the NBA has a little bit of an edge on, on the NFL when it comes to let's de- Let's delve deeper into this kind of space out in the athlete ec- ecosystem, sports ecosystem, and then beyond the game, let's say, right? So the Dallas Mavericks, Euro, a lot of the European fo- global football, soccer, what we call it in the States. Um, I love that sport because I grew up playing it. So they're going to be offering tokens moving forward. And those tokens, you know, they're kind of community-based tokens. The more you get, if you share more on social media, I think they're going to be setting up models like this about the team. You'll get increasing value of tokens and those tokens and you can cash in, quote unquote, for rights to access, for merchandise, uh, more engagements. If you go to the game, maybe you'll get something. You get to influence the color of display or even have something, you know, a personalized uh, be displayed. With I think we're going to this community token based type of um, setup, which would be kind of kind of interesting, right? You, and if you come with like a, these influencers, will have some deep value in this space, and it doesn't have to be like the Kim Kardashians of the world. It can be someone deeply embedded in this space that can be a driving force. So those we used to do this in music, where you'd have local—I forget what you call it—they they basically canvas everyone, say, "Check out this; they're performing tonight, doing this, doing that. Come to the show," and you'd have them in every chap, every kind of region, and they're going to have that for this, but online. So it's going to be amazing. Right. Pop stars, influencers will have more power in this space. Um, and then you can do something good with the community, which would be, you know, that's another narrative. I'm looking forward to it. Like Radiohead has done something. You know, they've released an album directly to fans before. So it's a direct fans. I mean, we can make. So let, let, before we pivot to like music, let's jump. It's like Mark Cuban kind of wants. He's a stud. He's smart. Rich, he wants to be known like he, he wants a cult like following like Elon Musk has, right? We know that. He's on TikTok doing stuff with his daughters, we, I've heard. And so he's out there trying to do it. And so he's propping up Do- Dogecoin, which is like, you know, even the the founder would said it's BS, right? But now it's he's not involved in it at all. And they're driving up. A lot of these cryptos will fail, right? There's over 8,000 of them uh, versus less than 200 fiat currency, right? So a lot of those will fail. But he's propping it up. And I think they're going to allow at Dallas Mavericks games, his team concession stands, merchandise. I think you can actually use Dogecoin in that ecosystem. It's kind of phenomenal, right? So they're going to, and then he wants, he goes, he goes, and when we sell a ticket, 
that's our last time we see anything. It's kind of like an artist, a physical artist creates a piece of art. And when they sell it, it's the last time they get any value out of it. He wants to replicate what's happening with people and all them getting these smart contracts, as Greg alluded to. They sell a ticket. Maybe they enhance it in some shape or form. And then they get, they capture some value as it changes hands throughout the year. So they create some initial value, higher markup initially, operating cost potentially. A lot of it's digital. And then they'll figure out some way to commoditize that. It's, there's going to be some exciting things that happen in this space. Yeah. I think one aspect of that is if you have your season worth of tickets on a blockchain ledger and you know what everything resells for, um, you know, one, you can prevent some aspects of, of scalping. That's always a big concern. Um, and, you know, from an analytics standpoint, understanding, you know, future pricing models, you know, to me, that, that would be a step that I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing franchises taking at stadiums. But then put, the, put the tickets for your stadium on the blockchain. Yeah, absolutely. And this is all possible. We should give ode to that, the blockchain, right? It's all possible because of this, right? We, we're in, this is internet 3.0, the internet of value. That's kind of what we're looking at, which is along those. Internet 1.0 would have been simple communications in huge spaces and huge uh, use. It was, I think, less than 30 years old, but it's like 50, 70, 60, 70 years old, whenever Al Gore invented it, as he claims, uh, <laughs> right? The military, I think, did initially here in the States. Internet 2.0 would have been apps, Amazon, Facebook, and all the advanced banking that we're doing, communication. And now this Internet 3.0 is this, gaming, digital artwork, the blockchain, what it's allowing. And it wasn't Bitcoin that allowed it. It was Ethereum, right? Currently. So currently you, the NFTs are all blockchain based, uh, in, in you trade in them with, uh, Ethereum because it's the protocol as well, which allows you to get the uniqueness, the distinctness of it. Probably other currencies, which are protocols as well, will start getting into this space. And then you're going to see how do you transfer an NBA top shot card from Ethereum into something else. That's going to be a caveat as well that we'll have to deal with. The gamers, they're leading the way, as we know, right? I mean, cause these, 14, 15 year olds, from what I understand, are, they're living in this world and the metaverse is that everyone's trying to create. And you walk down a hall and you could purchase this, purchase that. And then artists like Aoki, he's an artist, a, a, um, a DJ, right? He's just sold 4.5 million worth of, it's a lot of digital world, a lot of digital art mixed with music and all that. And you're seeing all this stuff pops out. It, it, weird stuff's going to happen. Run with that for a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's amazing. I personally have not like lived in these metaverses, um, but I have nieces and nephews that do it all the time. They're addicted to it. And they are kind of the same people that are into this NBA top shot as well, because like you said, they've been doing this for a while. This isn't new to them. A lot of people are scared of this, right? But they, you know, they live in this world. I, I have some nephews that play NBA 2K and they do storylines and, you know, you can buy gear for, you know, directly from it. And they live in these metaverses. And I, I am more surprised that more and more businesses are not doing more in the space already. Uh, I would love to hear Greg's thoughts on that as well. But there's so much opportunity there, you know, not only for Nike and the, uh, and the big brands, but smaller brands that are now coming out. I feel like that's where the opportunity is for them to make a lot of money is if they can get into that world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think to me when it comes to gaming and, and, you know, a tool, like you said, this comfort with, you know, navigating this ecosystem, right? I mean, if we look at our parents, you know, when the ATM machine, you know, came out, okay, well, I'll, I'll get cash from it, but I'm not going to deposit into it. Right. There's this hesitation. There's this adoption curve that happens, whereas the three of us were like, uh, I've never actually gone to the bank. I'd like some cash, please. 
No, you know, that's, that's just not part of our world. And, and so I think from that perspective, you know, you're right. You're now in a climate where you have a generation of like, yeah, of course, you know, digital currency, right? You know, for my class, I had someone from Razor come in to talk about Razor Gold and the infrastructure that they have in place so that if one game that you play goes under or you stop playing it, you still have the money to use in whatever game you play next. And so I think part of it is not just seeing, you know, gamers as people who game. This is people looking for their community, right? And so, you know, the power of that community um, to kind of drive change and that change could be, you know, the use of digital currency and, and the, the purchase of digital assets. It could also be, you know, the K-pop stands, you know, totally taking over American politics, um, you know, as, as we saw happen. So I, I think yes. from that aspect, it's young people trying to find their right tribe, their right community. And, you know, maybe in their school, they might feel a bit marginalized, but in this gaming world, they have their tribe. And I think that's, that's a powerful thing. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, again, from that perspective, we can't look at it through the lens that we know of like, eh, you know, okay, I use a credit card while our parents only used cash. And so, you know, it, it's trying to kind of understand that the next generation is, yeah, this is what they're going to use. It's a cashless society. And that's how they see it. You know, digital assets, it's less stuff to move later on. In my opinion, anywhere, I love those thoughts, anywhere there is high margin potential will get disrupted with this. Real estate, there's already transactions happening. Even Chamath Palihapitiya, I think he bought an island or, or something in Ethereum, I think, and but he could have bought or something like that. And he could have, that Ethereum would have been far superior, maybe 10x of that island that he paid for it at the time, but it is what it is. Even the Beeple guy, he paid all in Ethereum, obviously, and he's a guy living in Singapore. Greg, you might hang out with him soon. And um, <laughs> so he, he basically purchased the Ethereum, which he probably got at a fraction of the cost of what now it's worth 70 million, but he traded in for this art, right? And just in it, to make a big splash, probably. So it's, it's interesting. It's kind of like the VC model, but in mark to market terms, meaning VC, meaning you look forward projecting, okay, this is going to be hot in the future, but you can actually immediately sell it, which you can't really do. And uh, typically in the VC, you're looking at an eight to 10 year run, five, five to 10 year, let's say. So that's what's interesting. I think you're going to see maybe there's a, an amazing building in New York City. And usually it would be the billionaires that get to go after it or in trusts of some sort. You're going to, they might be able to commoditize that in a sense where, hey, be this many people that invests in, you know, you set up something where you can invest in slivers of this thing. And a lot of people can be part owners of this building. And as it fluctuates in price, you get to capitalize. Um, we can take extract from this example. This, I'm going to give you a music example, and then it can be extracted and put into banking, insurance and everything. If you're a new, if you're a new producer and you're writing a track, let's say you could immediately sell 50% of it. Let's say 25% of it. Um, upfront, you get 25 people give you a hundred bucks each. Let's go simple. You get 2,500 bucks, right? Um, so immediately they own 25% of your song, uh, or, you know, and then, and then you have 75%. And so any future royalty, they get a cut of that. They get their 1% or whatever they bought into. And then they are also, now you actually have 26 people, armies pushing your song because they're all capturing gains from it. That might be smart idea for some people. I can imagine like, can you imagine a megastar doing that? 
like a Drake or Coldplay. And hey, you know, like it might be easier in a, in a hip hop track where, hey, you get a shout out if you get into this NFT with me or you get to do a future collaboration with me. Uh, and Coldplay doesn't really shout out, you know, uh, Chris Martin's not going to give you a shout out halfway through singing an awesome song, right? So, uh, but this, this could be, in, these are some future opportunities and you can extract from that and then in that building thing. Okay, I'm propping up this building. Uh, let's give 25, 30, 40% of it away as far as you get offer it in slivers of sale. And you can be a part owner of something big that you would not typically have been a part of before. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, there's one example of that, you know, Masterworks, um, where, you know, they buy blue chip art. You know, I can't afford a $10 million, you know, Basquiat, but, you know, I can buy a fraction of it. Um, and so, you know, they basically buy a piece of blue chip art. They, you know, create an LLC for it, you know, file with the SEC, make shares of a particular painting. And then, you know, when they sell that painting, they liquidate the LLC and play, you know, pay out the shareholders. It, you know, works like a hedge fund. They take their, you know, 20% and, you know, I guess it's like a 1.5 year over year. And so, you know, you have models that, that do this. And, you know, I think one of the challenges, again, if you put something on the blockchain is the space that it takes up. Right. You couldn't turn around and use the blockchain for, you know, tracking misinformation on Facebook. It just you, it just doesn't have the, the space capacity to, you know, to house the, the demand, to house that need. Um, you know, even though logistically it would be great to use the blockchain to, to track misinformation, um, just logistically it won't work. But, yeah, so I think there are definitely markets for it. It's just now, again, converting to that digital space and and people having faith in it. It's a generational thing. I think in some ways that, you know, the old people that are carrying most of that wealth who are like, nope, I want to go to the bank and know my banker. Um, yeah. I think we're just a generation away where people are just like, okay, you know, dinosaur, go, go sit in the corner. Oh, being mean to those. And you know, even in the art space, used to be like 55 and up used to drive the value of art, right? And they'd be hot onto something for a while. Let's go Renaissance. And then all of a sudden they don't care about it anymore. And then they drop off and they jump to the next thing. And in that Beeple space, Beeple piece in particular, they're like 35, 40 people that bid on it. 90% of them were millennials and younger, right? And completely shifting the narrative of who's, you know, bidding on this art. Uh, let's see how long that lasts. Uh, but this is, it's going to be exciting. There's going to be dueling people in real time, dual, dual, dueling kind of uh, demographics in real time. It's going to be interesting how this all plays out. Um, there's some artists that have killed it in this space, you know, like, so the let's. I know I keep jumping to music. It's kind of it's there. The weekend, right? He sold a million tickets for a physical show he's going to be doing in 2022. Right, so he sold a million physical tickets. Then you look at Travis Scott, who in one night on Fortnite in 2020 sold 30 million people attended his concert, and it was just a digital representation of him, right? But his music, it's kind of dope, right? So. There's just no comparison as to what you can, you know, the metal world versus this whole physical world. Uh, I think a nice hybrid of it will be wonderful moving forward. Uh, but you know, and this you do that in online lectures and all of that. Greg, you're in the stu- you're in this space. Uh, you're in academics. What do you think of this? So, if there's a high a potential high earner, right, and can't maybe afford to go to school, a brilliant person, she or he, you see doing big things coming out of school in the future. Okay, they can put their kind of, they can NFT, I tokenize their value streams. Okay, you help me pay for school and then you get 10% of my future earnings. 
or something along those lines. And that, and maybe there's a cap as far as like 10 years out, five years out, whatever they think. So it's not a perpetuity because, you know, when they're making billions or whatever, you don't want to keep giving that away. What do you think of those models? Can you see those coming into play? Absolutely. And you're seeing it happening in, in some way. So for example, if you turn around, um, you know, and some, sometimes countries will sponsor citizens to go to school. And so there are different models to it. So for example, it's like, all right, after you graduate, you know, you get a job and, you know, 5% of your paycheck is, you know, through like wage garnishing. And if you're, if we paid a hundred thousand dollars for you to go to school, then you know, five years or $110,000 paid back, whichever comes first, right? That I think is a brilliant idea because it's like, okay, well, listen, if I don't make a ton of money, you know, I'm not sitting on 110 grand, I'm sitting on five years. And that's when they go into social work, you know, or, you know, teach for America, things like that where they're not so concerned about the amount wage garnish of 5%, whatever a fair amount is. And either again, you know, five years or, you know, whatever that principal amount was plus X percent, whichever comes first and you're done. That Mm -hmm. to me would be, um, you know, the, the route that I'd love to see happen more. Vic, throw out, throw out, I'm putting you on the spot, throw out some abstract idea similar to that. Okay, what are some future opportunities in this space that we're not even looking at yet? Man, well, you got to, and I can't go after Greg, too, of all people. <laughs> Greg came in with the big it's, guns. <laughs> it's you know, I think education, higher learning is where I would look to. Like the whole model is changing as is, right? Just with like e-learning and everything. Like we're seeing such a big shift in education that I really do think like, cryptocurrency blockchain within the next two to three years we're going to see that involvement in it in some way and hopefully like you guys just talked about like to me that's a terrific idea um education is still such a very big topic in the world right like i feel like rich people always do have an advantage like there's so many bright kids out there that unfortunately can't afford to go to grad school, can't afford to become a doctor or a lawyer, you know, or whatever they want to do. Um, And so in some way, shape or form, hopefully cryptocurrency and and blockchain can help that sector of the market. And so that's where I'm kind of just randomly spitballing, but I would love to see something like that in the next few years. You know, Peter Diamandis, you know, he's, I think he's launched Google X prize. He's a, amazing individual. He's like an Elon-esque thinker and their buddies. So he said, there's no reason exactly what you're saying, Vic. There's no reason the poorest person's daughter or son on earth shouldn't have the same education as the richest person's son or daughter on earth, right? And because of the internet, we have information readily available. You just have to provide access to it. So he's been launching, he's behind things like the, you know, satellites to provide internet in like Peru, South America, different, he's behind projects and these are happening globally with a lot of people. But that, that's a statement he had. And I could see, because education, we saw last year, people were still having to pay 50, 60, 70K a year to attend virtually. Did you get value out of that as much as you would have on being on campus? Because a lot of what you pay for the prestigious schools is relationships you develop, right? The, the curriculum is pretty similar across the board in most, most of these schools, right? But the, it's the relationships you develop and, and, and then how you carry those forward. So 
I that that's the right that space is ripe for it. I think healthcare ripe for this space, right? Uh, insurance ripe for this space. Let's see what happens. We could probably wrap there unless you guys have some final thoughts. No, it's been amazing talking to you guys about this. I think we could probably talk about this forever, uh, but it was great getting both of your insights. Uh, again, I'm excited about the space. It's been really cool to kind of see just within the last few years, how far along it's come, right? Especially Bitcoin, you know, that leads the way. I remember people thought this was some kind of mystery or some kind of joke and people made fun of people. And now all of us, you know, at some aspect, right? Um, And so it's just awesome to see how far that's come. And I think that is what's given confidence to the rest of the people that, hey, this is here to stay. And, and you know, now I'm just looking forward to what's going to be coming next. What are your thoughts, Greg? Final thoughts? Yeah, I guess to me, I mean, uh, like anything else, I'm just waiting for eventually, you know, this to, to jump the shark. You know, you brought up the Funko dolls, you know, that I'd commented on in our, you know, email chain, you know, tokenizing Funko dolls. And I'm like, okay, guys, all right. N- not everything needs to be tokenized. Um, what is a Funko? Is it a, that, those, you know, the, the small doll with the giant head kind of looks like a bobblehead and it's like, you know, like oh, all the, you know, Game of Thrones and Avengers is. and Disney and you know, all those things. Yeah. The, 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 you know, plastic things. Um, you know, and their big thing is some of them are mystery boxes. So you don't know what it is, you know, kind of mm. like the baseball cards, right. Um, you know, until you to open it up, but now to, to me, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> Pretty exciting space. Okay. This is, there's a lot. Yeah. As you both alluded to, we could talk about this in so many different directions and we'll do that again. We'll have you guys on again. It was awesome. Um, really appreciate you guys coming through for this. So there's two last sections. Um, I'm the one drinking whiskey. Uh, what wine were you drinking earlier, Greg? Give it a shout out. Uh, I had a nice, uh, glass or two of, uh, Coteron. Where, Coteron. Where's uh, it from? Coteron, uh, from France. Nice bottle of red. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Like I, there's a French uh, guy who used to own restaurants in Manhattan. He used to make fun of, he goes, oh, Americans, they put everything in, they put, you put meats, potatoes, everything into wine. Just chill out. Just It's supposed to be light. I'm like, all right, fair point, man. <laughs> he said in a cooler, thick French accent, though. That was like, how about you, Vic? What you're going to have later? What's, what's your scotch for choice tonight? Uh, I'm going to have some Oban, man. Uh, some single malt. That That's kind of my go-to nowadays when it, after a long days of work or you know, just some stressful day, put the kids to sleep, watch watch some highlights or watch the end of a game and, and just have some Oban. Oban's my go-to, Singleton, and then Koval. Koval, I'm gonna get, it's, it's distilled in Chicago. They're good people. You can hit them up on Twitter and they'll respond right away. Uh, but it's a whiskey and they have, they have uh, and I've, we've touted it on the pod several times, so I won't keep doing it, but, uh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful drink. It's really light. Nice for warmer days. All right. Shit you should know. Greg reminded me we need to do this. Um, I'm glad Greg knows how to run these podcasts better than I do. Uh, so give it to me. What are things that we should be paying attention to? Something you're watching, something you're an organization we should highlight. What, what's, what's on your agenda? Greg, go first. All right. Yeah, great. Uh, well, the, the, the one that I read recently that I'm going to be tracking, um, the clubhouse adding the tipping function, um, you know, partnering with Stripe on that with 100% going to creators. And so to me, it's like if 100% is going to the creators, what, what is their burn rate at this point? Um, but my real shit you should know is, you know, I'm watching more and more how private companies and employees are really wielding their power on social issues. You know, Salesforce pulling out of Indiana um, when, you know, the laws that they had passed, obviously NCAA taking on North Carolina, Major League Baseball and other brands in Georgia. Um, and in reality, you know, Walmart, you're up. 
Walmart has come quite far from their earlier day, from even two, like a 15 years ago, like almost two decades ago, right? They've come far, like a, the gun laws. I mean, that's half their constituency, right? Uh, they've, they've clampered down on some of it, but yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot yeah, of room right, to grow. Right now in Arkansas, Walmart, step up. Yeah. Well said, man. How about you, Vic? I, I'm not going to say that Greg just stole what I was thinking about, but I will say I, I was thinking about the baseball thing and the all-star game, right? And just how it's all gone down and how social issues have really impacted the world and like social media, right? And so nowadays, like more and more people are actually talking about it. More and more people are actually like not afraid to like post something on Twitter about their actual feelings as opposed to how it used to be. Because before you said something, you could get fired. I mean, you still can. You can lose your job. But I feel like more and more people are actually like about these issues now and want to see social justice. And the MLB, to me, that was big. Like the NBA, NCAA, and, you know, MLB, that was huge. And, And so this is just the beginning and so just to, to bring some spotlight onto that, I think that, that was great of you, Greg, to bring that up. And, you know, that's what I'll kind of piggyback on. I like well. how you guys went highbrow. I'm going to go lowbrow. Paul Pierce uh, canceling himself by posting himself in the strip club and he gets fired from ESPN. So but I think there's some other play there. <laughs> there's some other play because he's got something lined up because he actually alluded to it from. He's going to. I mean, I'm hearing he might get a job with Barstool. There's like uh, a standing offer there. Um, and, you know, again. Uh, some Boston affiliates are also interested. So, okay. yeah, I think or he, or he bought situation. the strip club in Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, perfect way to wrap yeah. up the segment. Um, and so, hey, should you know, mine are, I want you to check out these two wonderful gentlemen's podcasts. So can we get a coffee with Greg Bargita? Vic, I have to learn more about your victory lap. That's what it's called, right? Victory lap. And I know you've been doing some, you've had some baller folks on there of late it, it's fun yeah i had donovan mitchell right like i mean for me he, he's big just because i'm an nba fan um I, i've had some agents on i've had anthony davis's ad i had the new chicago bears yeah. defensive coordinator shop nice. uh so it's been fun it's just a passion project i started literally during the pandemic because i just wanted to add something new to my skill set and just learn and you know podcasts were taking off and it, it's been cool because it, and it's given me more confidence to like jump on today with you, you know, so thank you for having me on. Uh, but it's been fun. It's just kind of a passion project of mine. And I, I do try to do, you know, once, uh, once or twice every couple of weeks. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Um, thank you gentlemen for coming on Uh big respect for both of you and everything you're doing in the world. So is victory lap V I K T O R Y like your name or victory? Like yeah. actual, like- it is. Uh, so it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a play kind of Nipsey hustle. Uh, and then my name and just, uh, you know, I kind of put that together. I was trying to come up with something catchy and that's exactly how it is. So it's V-I-K-T-O-R-Y. Nice, nice, good. We need to do a session on Clubhouse, gentlemen. And Greg, the the lady that you and I spoke about earlier, we were emailing back and forth for you and Roja. Um, she, we're supposed to be doing some Clubhouse, but she's got tied up, you know, obviously, as I mentioned, for the last two weeks. But we'll get on. We'll get, let's all get on. Let's all get on. All right, gentlemen, this has been awesome. We'll do it next time.